Hello, and welcome to show number 2303 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. I think the the one thing that distinguishes us from other industries is this is all personal to us. The things that we're creating, we use it on a daily basis for our own lives. And so there's a strong bond uh, in this field of accessibility and those of us who are making software and using it because it's at the end of the day, we all have to use it ourselves. And you don't find that in other industries. And we've always said that if the people using the products develop the products, you wind up with a better product. We'll be speaking with Ryan Jones, who recently stepped up to take on the role of Vice President of Software Products at Vispero, following the retirement of Eric Damery, who held that position for many years. We'll talk with Ryan about how his long career with Vispero has prepared him for this role and his outlook for the future of accessibility. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Ryan Jones. My tip of the week is the JAWS command search. And this is something that's been in JAWS for quite a number of years, but is not very widely known about. So if you press insert space, so hold down the insert key, press the space bar, and then press the letter J for JAWS, you'll be taken to a box where you can type in something that you're looking for, some functionality of JAWS. So if you if you're using JAWS in Excel or a web browser and you can't remember what that keystroke is to do a certain thing, you can go to the JAWS command search and type in keywords or or a phrase around what it is you're trying to do. And then you'll get a list of the JAWS commands related to the, the keyword that you searched for. So if you are in Excel, for example, and you're not sure what things can I do with JAWS around formulas. If you go to the command search and type in the word formula, you will then get a list of all the JAWS commands that have to do with formulas. So to read a formula or to edit a formula and so on. So try it out next time you're stumped on how to do something in JAWS or what keystroke to use for a particular thing, JAWS command search. Oh, that just sounds like it makes working with JAWS so much more efficient. You don't have to spend all that time looking up somewhere else how to do what you used to know how to do, but you just slipped your mind. It's like Google for JAWS. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at one 800 232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Ryan and learning about the involvement of people with vision loss in the creation of access technology at Vispero. Hi, I'm Ryan Jones, uh, Vice President of Software at Vispero. And that's a fairly new position. It is. I started in this role at the beginning of August when Eric Damery, who's been doing this for many years, retired at the end of July. And unlike Eric, I understand you are a user of Vispero products. I am. Um, I actually grew up low vision. So when I was younger, I could read large print books. I could kind of see the TV screen if I was near to it. 
Uh, I used video magnifiers, books on tape, those kind of things, and, and screen magnification software until I was in my early 20s. And about that age, I lost most of the rest of my uh, usable vision. And so I switched over to JAWS and that was around the year 2000. So I think it was probably JAWS 3.5 maybe. And so it's been over 20 years now that I've been using JAWS and you know, familiar with uh, Zoom text and other screen magnification software as well. Well, as I always say to people, it's always a good thing to have users of the products also involved in the development of the products. It is. And that's one of the really great things about working with Freedom Scientific Sparrow is we have quite a lot of users that work on our products, especially on the software side. So we have people in all levels of development, technical support, all of our technical support team that, that works with JAWS or ZoomText or, or low vision or blind, uh, training, documentation, pretty much all aspects of the development, support, and creation of the software, we have quite a large amount of representation, actually, from people who are users of our products as well. So we depend on it for our own use every day, not just for, for creating it. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is a bit about Ryan Jones's background and then how Vispero maintains their product base and keeps up with ever-changing technology. Well, Ryan, you've been with Freedom Scientific and Vispero for quite a long time. I think you joined in the early 2000s or so in their training department. I did. I, I kind of call this my first real job when I got out of college. I had done a couple of other things for a short while, but I started in 2005. And um, interestingly, I originally applied at Freedom Scientific for an IT job. My bachelor's was in information systems management and computer science. So I thought I was going to do IT work. And so I applied for an IT job, ended up going down to interview and interviewed for the IT job. But while I was there, I learned that they were looking for someone to join Dan Clark in the training department doing software training. And I thought, well, that might be interesting. I've never done training, but I, I like working with people and, and things. And I obviously use the products myself. And so I interviewed for that while I was there. And uh, we all ended up agreeing that the training job seemed like it might be the best fit for me. And so I started that in 2005. And uh, I, I took a break from Freedom Scientific for a short time. For three years, I went and worked for one of the distributors of Freedom Products, um, working to help bring assistive technology into the Caribbean region of the world. So Trinidad, Jamaica, different countries down there. Uh, I didn't live there. I lived in the Washington, D.C. area, but I did a lot of uh, visits there in helping promote assistive technology and the the doors that it can open for people who are blind or have low vision. So did that for a time, then came back to work at Freedom Scientific, went stepped right back into my role as a trainer, software trainer. Mostly I did script writing training, JAWS, Magic, Open Book, all the different products, and then transitioned for a time over to our enterprise accessibility consulting business as we started to develop that some years ago. So I ran a variety of projects around web accessibility, mobile app accessibility, 
Uh, I also focused in on kiosk accessibility quite a lot. So I was doing that right up until the time when uh, Eric retired, and then I was able to step back over here. Right. It seems like you spent your entire job training for your new position. I think so. I think the the variety of things that I've been able to do over the years really rounded my skill set out. I mean, if, if you're leading a team who's developing a product, the best way to learn about it is to teach other people about that product, your jaws, for example. And that's what I did for, for a number of years. Um, but then I also got the experience to see the other side of things, the corporate side, the companies who are having to deploy our products and large scale for their users. And so I think it's a definitely beneficial that I've seen this industry from a variety of angles. So I'm used to the model where a lot of the sales reps are kind of local people that come to show the products to individuals or maybe blindness agencies, but it must be very different working with corporations. How do some of those interactions go? Do you have a corporation call you in and say, we have a number of blind people who need these type of services or how does that start? A lot of times it starts because they have they have users or, or people who have a disability and, and they know that they need our product, but they a lot of times they don't know how to deploy it or they don't know how to best set it up for themselves. So for example, rather than if you have an, a company with 10,000 people and you have say 50 people using JAWS, rather than have 50 individual licenses and installations, you know, are there other ways that we could do that better? Could we set up a network? Could we set up... Uh, a single license that allows all of them to use it at any given time. You know, there, there's a variety of things that oftentimes people just don't know about. And on the other side of that, the people who are using the software often have accessibility problems with applications they use at work, whether it's an HR system, a, a payroll system, or entering time off requests or logging their hours. Those kinds of applications may not always be accessible in a larger company. And so sometimes we can help them make those things more accessible, either by JAWS scripting or by helping talk about how or teach them how to remediate those applications to be more accessible. And I'm guessing the first line of attack there is to teach them how to use your existing products better. But if they work with some applications that maybe just are specific to their company or industry, will you actually write scripts for them? Will they hire you to do that? They do, and, and that's part of what our TPGI or the Passiello Group Interactive, our, our consulting part of the business, that's exactly one of the things they specialize in is writing scripts to help blind or low vision employees deal with applications that are not accessible that they have to deal with. And ideally, as you said, we want the company to fix the application so that it actually is accessible and then the JAWS user, for example, doesn't need scripts. But the reality is that might take weeks, months, years, or maybe never happen, especially if it's not a program that that company controls. So scripts are a great way to get in there and help somebody get back to work immediately and to fix those accessibility gaps very, very quickly. I don't know if you know, but we both work for a major corporation. We're research scientists at Xerox Corporation for a long time. And, you know, when I needed to deal with my accessibility needs, it was all on an individual basis. Although Xerox at the time was a company of 90,000 or 100,000 people, there weren't enough blind people in one place. And I'm wondering in larger corporations, all the blind people aren't really localized in one place. And how does that work out? It seems to start very, very grassroots, and, and it kind of goes from the, the bottom up, so to speak. So usually you'll have a person who 
they have a part of their job they can't do it because the application they're trying to work with isn't accessible and then maybe they uh, reach out to their manager or to the HR department and and they're they're requesting some help with that and then maybe that organization that maybe a very tiny subset of a larger company reaches out to a company like us well you guys are the vendor who makes jaws can you help us in this situation we have someone who can't use this thing and so then we we get conversations started and and then maybe we can immediately help that one particular person but then start to help them realize this application that they're using is used by 10,000 other people at the company. There may be others who are struggling with it and you just don't know about it either because they're afraid to talk about it or you know, maybe they're just kind of getting by. So let's look at how we can help you make this accessible overall so that anyone now or down the road will be able to use it. So oftentimes I see it start really small with one little problem and then start to bubble up from there as people realize accessibility really needs to be much broader than just one particular user or fixing a problem for one person. So as software developers have become more attuned to accessibility needs over the years, have you found this process of engaging companies and working with people to be a better, more smoother interaction? I think it's generally been easier to talk about it. So I think people have a base understanding better than they used to about accessibility. So they at least kind of know the terminology. They understand the concept of it. Now, once you get past sort of that initial conversation, they they usually don't really know what you're talking about at that point. So there's a lot of education that comes into play. But But you're right that people at least understand what accessibility means now, whereas 10 years ago, that term didn't even make sense to a lot of people. So that gives us a good overview of how things work with commercial businesses. I guess another large part of your business is with vocational rehab agencies and state agencies. How is that different? Yeah, I mean, in those areas, our job is to create software that that is useful for people in, in a variety of circumstances, whether you're someone who is employed, whether you're someone going to school, whether you're just using the computer to check your email, look at Facebook, browse the web, whatever it may be. Um, you know, this, the state agencies are geared to provide technology for people in a variety of life circumstances. Most commonly, we know they're providing technology for people who are employed or looking to to be employed. And then also for the, the homemaker programs and other uh, later in life skill sets. And so often we're working with them just to help them to get access to JAWS or ZoomText or Fusion uh, so that their clients can continue to do what they do. So mostly there, really what we're just trying to do is create our products to be beneficial for everyone. If you think of the name JAWS, the, the acronym Job Access with Speech, the first word there is job. So the emphasis with JAWS has always been around employment and making sure that we have a powerful tool to help someone be employed. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to use it for anything, even if you're not employed, if, if you're a student, if you're just um, you know, working from home, just reading email, whatever it may be. We want to create functionality and features for people to use it. Well, that's really important to focus on employment and functionality. I always make the distinction between programs being accessible and software being accessible versus efficient and productive to use. And I think JAWS in particular has had a real focus on that kind of productivity and efficiency. 
And just because I can get around the screen and see what's on the screen, if I have to tab around 100 times to find what I need, that doesn't place me on an equal playing field with my colleagues. Yeah, you're not playing from the same field, as you said. And, and that's that's one of the things that's made JAWS powerful over its you know, three decades, essentially, uh, of existence. And sometimes people will ask, especially newer users or teachers and things, why do you have so many settings? Why are there all these things that I can configure in JAWS? And the answer is just that someone at some time needed that. And because employment is critical for any of us, those features and those settings and things that are there are geared to help people in those environments. And so sometimes a setting or or feature may not help everyone. In fact, it may only help a very tiny subset of our users, but for those subset of users, that setting or feature may be the difference in whether they can maintain their employment or not. And so that that question comes up quite a lot. And, and that's what we always tell people is these things are here because it's it's the difference for people and being able to tweak the the way JAWS says something or the order that it reads it in, that can be very important when you're doing something, you know, 10, 20, 100 times a day, for example. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, now that you stepped into this new role at Fispero, tell us a little bit about what your vision for this new job and what you want to turn it into is. My role is really to lead this wonderful team. So our products have been around for for many, many years, and we have a phenomenal team of engineers that are creating the software. We have a phenomenal team of support staff who are taking phone calls and answering emails to support the products and, and trainers and folks writing documentation. So we have a really good team that's been in place. And in fact, many of our team, I, I, I looked at the average tenure of the, the people that are on my team, and it's over 10 years, which is phenomenal. Um, we've got quite a few that have been there for 25 plus years. And so my role is just to provide leadership to this team, kind of cast the vision. Where are we going with the software? They're the ones that do all the work. I, I will always say they're the, they're way smarter than I am. They're the ones actually doing it. And so my role is is to provide that vision. So there's three areas that I, I think are really, really critical for us, uh, and that's uh, education. So at the education space, making sure that we have software that students can use to function in education, because we know that's where employment starts, is getting a, a proper education. So making sure that we're able to use our software in education environments and be adopted by students and teachers and be uh, usable by those folks, that's a critical area for me. And then the workforce, the enterprise kind of government side of working for people who are working and employed that's really our bread and butter of JAWS and, and really where it started from. And so we will continue to do that. And so my role is looking at where do we think technology is going in the workplace? An example of that might be more things are going to virtual machines and sort of uh, remote access type of environments. And so making sure that we can keep up with that and and adapt our technology to work in those areas is very important. And then the third one would just be continuing to focus on productivity in our software to allow people to use it no matter what they're doing, whether they're, like I said, in school or at work or just at home doing whatever. And so things are changing. There's so much more that's web-based. So we have a, a lot of focus that we're going to be putting on how we're interacting with web content. And as I said, sort of the virtualization world, the cloud computing world, all of these things are 
they're happening whether we all like it or not. And we we basically have the choice to either ignore it and and fall behind or uh, keep up with it and, and provide leadership in this area around accessibility. Do major tech companies ever give you guys advance notice of these upcoming changes so you can work on the potential fix before the break happens? So we have really good partnerships with both Google and Microsoft, for example, and can get some of the updates first. The, also, the good news is the, those tech companies now have a lot of accessibility resources in-house. So most of the time, they will catch things first, and then they'll collaborate with us. Well, I think it's interesting. Just as I begin to think that my accessibility tools like JAWS and other tools are doing just the job they need to do and everything's perfect, then some change happens in technology or in operating systems. And all of a sudden, there's a new paradigm of how people work and you have to change and update these tools. And so I guess you always have to be doing that. And it's faster now than it's ever been before. And I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this too. I mean, just think about our web browsers we use, Chrome or Edge or Firefox. Those companies are pushing updates to those browsers, if not weekly, then every other week in a lot of cases. Microsoft Office is doing the same thing. They're pushing updates very, very quickly. And so there's always going to be this game of feature comes out or, or tweaks come out and then we have to respond to it. And the good thing is, that allows the larger companies like Microsoft, Google, and so on, it allows them to make accessibility enhancements or fix bugs faster. And that can be a good thing, but it also introduces more chance for things to break. And so there, it's sort of a double-edged sword. And so we we have to constantly keep up with what the, the other tech companies are doing. So you've just been talking about updates and upgrades to programs that are released by other tech companies. How often does JAWS get updated and upgraded? Back in the, I guess you could say old days, the old days being like 15, 20 years ago, you had to put updates out on a CD or a floppy disk way back. And so now with everything being on the web, we can push updates or create updates at a much faster pace. So we typically, each year, we always have the one major new version. So 2023, 2024, and so on. And that typically comes out in October. And then we usually have an update to the software about every two months. So those updates will contain fixes to bugs that we found and changes to our software based on whatever Windows or Office is doing. And then they'll contain new features. So the original cadence was we put new features in the main yearly release, the one time a year release. That's where the new features came in. But now we don't put all the new features in that first release. We'll spread them out. So there'll be a brand new feature that may come out in February or, or April. And I guess we should mention that this software can sometimes be pretty costly, but you've started introducing subscription options to make it more affordable for people these days. Yes. And the great thing about it is for those who are not getting the software through a rehab agency or through your work or through some other mechanism where there's funding, we have what's called the home annual program. And that's a subscription-based program. Just like if you subscribe to Netflix or other things, um, you can pay a yearly fee to have a subscription to either JAWS or ZoomText or Fusion. So for example, JAWS, the cost is $95 per year. And then you have access to JAWS and any updates that come out while you have that subscription. So you're not tied to one particular version. You're tied to whatever is current at that time. 
you can use it and, and you can set it up so that it'll deduct from or, or bill your credit card once a year. You don't even have to do anything to it and, and you'll continue to have access to it. So that's been a really popular program for those who are not getting our software through other mechanisms. That is a program that's only available in the United States at this point. And we're looking at other ways that we might can use that in, in other countries. But right now it is it is unique to the United States, but it's been a great way to get people using the software who, who are having to pay out of pocket and, and not able to afford the full price of it. And I have to thank Vespero and Freedom Scientific for making the products they do. I've been using them since the mid-90s, and I use the JAWS screen reader every day. I've used a variety of their Braille displays and note takers, and they've been invaluable both professionally and at home. So thanks, guys. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Vispero, its component companies and their products, and how to contact them. Well, Ryan, for people who are interested in learning more about the JAWS screen reader or the Zoom Text magnification program or the combined product fusion, where would you direct them? I would say start with our website. If you go to www.freedomscientific.com for software, you can download it. If you've never used any of it before, you can use it in a 40-minute demo mode. So it'll run for 40 minutes, and then you have to restart your computer, and then it would run again. So you can try it out. You can always use the home annual subscription program, like I mentioned, to kind of get started. But the website's the best way to learn. And And I would say... For those who aren't really familiar, Vespero, we, we've kind of thrown these names around, right? Vespero, Freedom Scientific. Vespero is just a larger name of the company that owns a variety of sub-companies, so to speak. So Freedom Scientific, TPGI, Enhanced Vision, Optelect, uh, those are all sort of sub-companies or brands that are part of the larger Vespero organization. So it could be a little bit confusing, but it, it's all the same company at the end of the day. You have a social media presence? Uh, you'll find Facebook. We have uh, Freedom Scientifics on Facebook. There's actually JAWS user groups out there on Facebook where people are sharing and connecting together around the software. Um, you'd find us on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we have a great YouTube channel. Where we have a lot of training videos and uh, content there as well. So you'll find us most social media avenues. You'll find us there. And if people wanted to reach you particularly, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, and my personal email address, if anyone wants to email me, is rjones at vispero.com. So that's R-J-O-N-E-S at vispero, V-I-S-P-E-R-O.com. If you have an idea around what you'd like to see us do with our software, whether it's JAWS or ZoomText or Fusion, if you have a suggestion, you think, man, I'd really love to get this in the software or tell them about it. You can email me, uh, this will go to several of us at Vespero, but email software suggestions, all one word, software suggestions at vespero.com. That's a mailbox that I have access to and check regularly. And, and that's where we look to collect things and can't promise that we'll get everybody's suggestion into our software, but I can tell you that we will look at it and, and consider it. So give me your ideas. Let me know what things you'd love to see in, in the products. And, of course, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with episode 2303 at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
That's it for show number 2303. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with the group that creates the equipment for beep baseball players worldwide. We'll learn how the balls and other equipment are made, as well as about the surprising connection between beep baseball and the telephone company. We'll speak with John Cruz, lead volunteer, and Jay Kelly, chapter president of the Colorado Legacy West Pioneers. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And if you're interested to find out how the phone company is connected to beat baseball, join us for next week's episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.